Hello Kotowantok, here come the Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Mikoroi Hawkins. Coming up first, from damaged telecoms infrastructure in Papua New Guinea to concerns about the high death toll on Tonga's roads, we look at some of the stories making Pacific headlines. Also, we rally and acknowledge that the greatest challenge and threat is climate change. Leaders from 12 Pacific Island countries are in the lineup to speak at the UN General Assembly in New York and... There are all these different ways that race and racism is felt in one place. Witalanoatu Lana Lopesi, author and co-editor of a new compilation of conversations about race and racism in Aotearoa. Papua New Guinea's state-owned entity, PNG Data Co Limited, has issued a public notice confirming last week's earthquake has damaged the submarine cables, causing disruptions to internet services in most parts of the country. Susana Susuhiki has the latest. The breakage has affected the Momase Highlands and Islands provinces that are connected through Madang. The notice further states the repair of the cable will take two months, but the company is working on alternative solutions. The 7.6 magnitude quake which struck the country on September the 11th resulted in at least 12 deaths, hundreds of injuries and destroyed houses and roads. An assessment that has been carried out by disaster officials to determine what help is needed is due to be made public. The ruling party in Fiji has filed complaints against its major political rivals for alleged breaches to the country's electoral laws. In a press conference on Tuesday, Fiji First Party General Secretary Ayas Syed Kayum confirmed he has sent a 19-page letter to the election supervisor concerning violations of the Electoral Act by the three main opposition parties. Mr. Syed Kayum, who is also the country's Attorney General and the Elections Minister, claims provisional candidates from the People's Alliance, National Federation Party and Sodelpa have breached election laws through their campaign activities. He says the breaches impact the conduct of free, fair and credible elections, which the country is preparing for by the end of the year. The date for the Fijian elections is yet to be announced. In Vanuatu, nominations for candidates intending to contest next month's snap election will close today. The election was triggered after the president, Nikinike Brombaravu, dissolved parliament last month. Don Wiseman reports. Controversy around the timing of the dissolution. It occurred on the eve of a no-confidence motion against caretaker Prime Minister Bob Luffman and led to a Supreme Court challenge, but the decision was upheld by the courts. The official nominations period closed at 5pm local time on the 21st of September and the publication of qualified candidates will be made on the 1st of October. This will also mark the start of the official campaign period which will run until midnight on the 10th of October. Polling day is set for the 13th of October. In Tonga, two people died in a car crash on Tongatapu's main access road Taufaho Road in Nuale earlier this morning. Police say a car carrying five people was being driven at high speed when the driver lost control. The other three passengers have serious injuries. The latest deaths take the tally to date in 2022 to 10, but six have occurred in the past three weeks. The road death tally for all of 2021 was six. Deputy Police Commissioner Tevita Vailea has urged the public to value their lives and make responsible decisions, especially when alcohol is involved. Climate change, geopolitics, development and regional security are the common themes expected from Pacific leaders at the UN General Assembly, which is underway in New York. 
The leaders from 12 Pacific Island countries are attending this year, with the bulk of them scheduled to speak on Thursday and Friday local time. However, the Marshall Islands president, David Kabur, was the first to address the general debate today, and he did not waste any time making his first point. We value the United Nations as our primary international stage. But if the world does not adequately respond to the island nations, and as seas rise, then there is really no United Nations at all. David Kabur touched on many topics, condemning Russia's invasion of Ukraine and noting the sting of its impacts on Marshall Island's economy. Also, as one of Taiwan's few remaining Pacific allies, David Kabur spoke up for Taipei, which is not recognized at the UN. The Republic of the Marshall Islands condemns the recent military actions of the People's Republic of China in the Taiwan Strait. This has threatened to disrupt peace and security in the Indo-Pacific region and across the globe. But it wasn't just China getting called out. My country, the Marshall Islands, was ground zero for the testing of the 67 nuclear and thermonuclear weapons for 12 years during the UN-US administered trusteeship era. The exposure of our people and land has created him backs that have lasted and will last for generations. These impacts to our human rights, land, culture, health and lives are burdens that no other country or nation should ever have to bear. Our own experience, history and current challenges to nuclear exposure are key drivers for urging progress in reducing and ultimately eliminating nuclear risk. We welcome effective and meaningful progress on this from major powers and nuclear weapon states and from all states in whatever form it can effectively be achieved. However, one of the biggest messages David Kabua had for world leaders at the general debate is one we expect to also hear from other Pacific Island leaders speaking this week. Mr. President, as a member of the Pacific Island family, we rally and acknowledge that the greatest challenge and threat is climate change. As a low-lying atoll nation whose future is at risk, there could be no stronger statement, nor should climate change be considered in isolation. Tackling complex adaptation measures within a wider fragility makes our task just that much more difficult. The next Pacific leaders to address the UN General Assembly in New York will be Kiribati President Tanis Maumau and David Panuelo from the Federated States of Micronesia. They will speak on Thursday local time. Meanwhile, the bulk of the Pacific leaders, including New Zealand, will contribute to the general debate on Friday and Australia will round out contributions from Oceania on the Saturday. The authors of a recently released book on conversations around racism in New Zealand are hoping it helps to promote a better understanding of people's differences and appreciation for diversity. 
Towards a Grammar of Race is a compilation of works by activists, academics and practitioners searching for new ways to talk about race in Aotearoa. Joining me is one of these authors and also a co-editor of the book itself, Lana Lopesi. Welcome on Pacific Waves, Lana. Tell us more about yourself to start. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Lana Lopesi. I am Samoan Pakia. I'm born and raised in Auckland and currently living in the United States, working as um, assistant professor in the Department of Indigenous Race and Ethnic Studies here at the University of Oregon. Towards a grammar of race, tell us about this title. Yeah, so just to backtrack a little bit, um, the book kind of started when the three of us, us co-editors, myself, Akiatakun and Anisha Sankar, were trying to grapple with some of the conversations that we were witnessing happening after the most recent Black Lives Matter uprise. And what we noticed was that a lot of people were talking and a lot of people had things to say, but the conversations seemed to move past each other. And there seemed to be a lack of this kind of shared understanding of what we were all um, wanting to say, but also where we were wanting to go. And so the title Towards a Grammar of Race is this idea that by all sharing the different perspectives that we have and holding that space of difference. We can work towards something that is shared and develop some kind of full box together. Yeah, and, and there are quite a lot of really interesting themes in this. I can't wait to sit down and read this properly. Um, but just talk us through some of these these um, chapters. Yeah, it kind of goes all all over the place. We bring together a collection of authors who have different ethnic backgrounds and also different kind of professional backgrounds, activists, academics, um, and sort of everything in between. And so the chapters kind of necessarily range over um, quite broad topics. So of course we look at Titiriti or Waitangi, um, there's chapters looking at the ongoing displacement of Maori uh, through tenancy and um, home ownership or lack of home ownership. There's theoretical contributions. There's people looking at uh, whiteness in relation to East Asian identity. We have Judith Collins in there, um, Twitter, the use of the N-word in Aotearoa. Um, and we also sort of look at the Black Pacific with um, Nate's chapter on West Papua. And, and what, is the, what is the thinking or the aim behind having such a body of work in, in one place? Well, really, we just kind of wanted to know you know, we had these conversations as the three co-editors, but we wanted to know what other people were doing, what other people were thinking, who were already engaged in similar areas. And so really the kind of call that we put to everyone was quite open. And I think the range of responses and subject matter covered in the chapters is just a reflection of actually how much work is happening and where the conversation is at for a whole bunch of different people. Um, This is kind of segueing, but... Uh, I moved to New Zealand from Solomon Islands where, you know, like my land is my own, my tribal structures in place, the, the government owns less land than the people. Um, uh, so the racism that I grew up experiencing was more from foreigners on my land, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, how does that compare to the racism experienced by a Pacifica growing up in New Zealand? And is there is there any of those comparisons, I guess, kind of made or looked at? I think that's the interesting thing when you think about how race operates in Aotearoa is that, of course, you have Māori who, I guess, the anecdote is quite similar to, or your anecdote is quite similar to that experience and that there are all of these 
external introduced forces happening and then you have um, islanders like myself who kind of grow up um, have an indigenous identity and connections to land elsewhere but then live in New Zealand and I think that's a part of the rub that we're trying to get at is that um, there are all these different ways that race and racism is felt in one place and if we're not having the conversations with each other as people who have bodies which are racialized in different ways then we can't really even begin to make these comparisons and have conversations that are productive and instead and this is something that I kind of discuss in my chapter what you see sometimes is actually bust ups in places like Twitter or online or Facebook when what we need to do is actually have some of those hard conversations where we take the sort of personal element out of it a little bit and we actually say hey there's this thing that exists and we're all impacted by it and we're all affected by it um how can we talk about it together so that we can move forward together Naka, naka. um uh when when was this released um where can people access it where can people get a uh, hand on a copy yeah so the book is available now you can purchase it in bookstores like unity or timeout um and it's readily available online as well and um, you can just go to um, Bridget Williams books which is the publisher's website and all the links will be there. In in, in coming up with this project and, and putting this together who did you have in mind as, as an audience? I think the book has something for everyone there are sort of really kind of more accessible chapters which look at things that we've all sort of witness to whether it's kind of you know Judith Collins and her Talofa comment and then there's more academic contributions as well and so um, I really do think that the book there is something for everyone in there and I hope more than anything that it just kind of gets the conversation going even if you just kind of come across the title and think hmm, that's interesting but don't pick it up to read itself you know just kind of sitting on sitting on that and um creating more conversations out there what do you hope that it it achieves i guess this this work i think the hope is that we're able to understand all of our different experiences in a way that means that we can work together in more productive um yeah more productive avenues towards some kind of social transformation the book doesn't have all the answers i think it raises just as many questions as it provides answers, but hopefully we can kind of create or offer some kind of tools for that kind of future work. And just before we go, the final four teams involved in the Oceania Under-19 Football Championships are gearing up for tomorrow's semi-finals in French Polynesia. The question on everyone's minds is who can oust the favourites New Zealand? The junior All-Whites have looked unstoppable so far, scoring 28 goals without conceding any in their four matches. In their quarter-final, they saw off Papua New Guinea 5-0. The team with the unenviable task of trying to stop them tomorrow are the hosts, Tahiti. Tahiti won their quarter-final against Vanuatu by one goal. Meanwhile, in the other semi-final, Fiji takes on New Caledonia. New Caledonia reached this stage by beating Solomon Islands 1-0, while Fiji overcame Samoa for one. Both semi-finals take place one after the other on Wednesday local time in Papeete. Thank you, Tomas, for here at Law Pacific Waves. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Looking for next time. More.